0: I've undertaken a pretty difficult project with you, and uh, hopefully made a little more ground than I expected to from the beginning. I've been trying to talk to you about thinking, about how we can control and direct and modify our thinking and choose between thinking methods. Uh, It can feel a little esoteric as a discussion topic, and it can feel um, a little pretentious as well. but it's something that's so necessary and it's the sort of direct teaching that rarely happens in school instead uh we we apply things so much we want to teach you how to do something and and we expect you to somehow um from that process of doing something um to be able to strip it down to its thought processes and better understand your thinking that way. And it just, it it rarely comes across. Uh, It rarely comes across because within this whole um, internal uh, system of rationale that schooling has built, it has created a type of um, knowledge that is more concerned with the doing than it is with uh, the lessons from what's done see what I mean it's let's get concrete here if I have a bunch of students working on the exact identical worksheet together uh, they're not producing anything new they're demonstrating to me that they can follow the steps to solve or address whatever it is that this worksheet is trying to complete and that's a lot of cognitive energy that goes in all the same direction without without helping each other out without producing something new it it goes towards a sort of dead end and that's fine there are skills that you need to learn that way there's you know math skills you need to learn that way properties of physics that you need to learn that way but when it comes to the 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 lessons that we should be able to distill from math and physics and whatever other subjects that you're dealing with uh we we rarely delve into the why and and the why is what i was trying to get at so so what we've been doing we've talked about critical thinking and uh critical thinking is extremely important that it teaches us to examine ideas and to examine research and to better understand uh, the mechanisms behind Um, why something is so, and critical thinking can also teach us why something is not so, how to eliminate um, different ideas that are fallacious, different ideas that are intentionally misleading or propagandized or anything else. And that's extremely important, especially in this day and age. And it's something that too few of us put into practice on a daily basis. It really teaches us how to slow our thinking down and abandon knee-jerk decisions and abandon um, the ways that people have their minds hijacked by seemingly logical ideas and notions and theories that don't actually make any sort of valid uh, sense. Critical thinking has its limitations, of course the intelligence trap, that the smarter somebody is, the better they are at critical thinking and rhetoric, the more powerful the rhetorician, uh, the easier it is for them to never adopt new ideas or new ways of doing things, because they become so good at defending what is known and defending the way something is done, and they can uh, take a position and never let it go in their certainty that the method of logic that they've used to approach a problem is true. A good example of that is, let's say, trickle-down economics, that trickle-down economics makes a, a perfectly sort of logical sense in a vacuum Um, of a universe that would work the way trickle-down economics proposes to work. And you could get a highly intelligent person who understands this logic really, really well and wants to adhere to that, thinking that eventually it will work, that the conditions just haven't been met yet. And of course, uh, we know from our discussions that economics is not a logic game. Economics is a power game and a psychology game and so much else. So critical thinking may not take us in that direction. Scientifically thought is preposterously important. Scientific thought is a a system of thinking that is collective and that is repeatable. And it is a way to advance an entire culture in what they are capable of doing by working together. Uh, The problem with scientific thought, of course, is that it moves very slowly that the literature of science moves more slowly than the science does, that the methods that we use to verify and adopt new ideas and methods can take decades to get something new done. Uh, In the long run, of course, that is not a shortcoming, but uh, it can be frustrating at times. And um, uh, it's amazing how much people can doubt um, the... uh, scientific thought process uh, when there are so many minds involved pushing in the same direction. It's like taking that worksheet idea and instead um, having an army of cognitive energy that is pushing um, towards a new goal or a new sort of reality together rather than all just doing the same one thing, one time lateral thinking and other methods of separating out your thinking and adopting a method of thinking is uh, these other thinking strategies they, they offer um, insight they offer um, the groundwork for creativity lateral thinking is uh, especially powerful um, alone unlike scientific thought which really does take a collective to make it work uh, lateral thinking is um, it's also powerful in groups don't get me wrong but the whole system of fragmenting your thinking into different neighborhoods and avenues and methods of thinking is extremely powerful, especially for an individual, especially for somebody who's having to make decisions based on limited amounts of information. The issue with lateral thinking, of course, is that it's, it's high risk. That you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to experiment with ideas that are just not going to stick. You have to be eliminating possible solutions rather than just finding the right solution and going with it. You have to look for many, many solutions. And hopefully one of them will open the door to something brand new. And that's creativity. And uh, it's something that's uh, very much ignored by our formal institutions uh, in so many ways. Um, I've never really been in a class that has stressed lateral thinking and creativity as a teaching because uh, it is not something that's necessarily um, taught even in the arts. It, uh, usually skills and tools mastery is something that's taught in the arts, and that's great. Uh, you have to apply lateral thinking to create the creativity. You might have a lot of very creative people who are very good at this within the arts, um, but that's an outcropping of their mastery combined with their creativity. It is not an outcropping of what they've been taught. If we knew how to teach creativity and we knew how to teach the breaking of new ground in ways that are effective, Um, We would have entire graduate classes of Van Gogh's and Mozart's and Bach's and Shakespeare's. And that just doesn't happen very often. Being educated. Acting with wisdom means switching between these different methods of thinking responsibly and effectively. It means knowing that you don't have all the answers because certainty is the thing that is really going to bite you in the foot. Being certain is going to close you off to growth and learning. And the more confident that you become in your certainty, the less likely you are to grow. However, confidence is so important when engaging in different thinking methods. And confidence is so important in experimentation. And if there's one thing I could give you, one thing I really wish I could teach you, is confidence. That confidence and your confidence in learning And your confidence in your own efforts is a mindset that you must be able to crawl into in order to act in uh, wise and educated ways in the world. The confidence should not be a limiting factor. Once your confidence in yourself becomes a limit, that confidence is actually called ignorance. You become ignorant of the world around you. But thinking mindfully, choosing the way you think mindfully, which means not reacting to the inputs of the world around you, but instead considering what you do know and considering what you expect to be true and choosing a method of thinking and reacting with intention is really gives you the maximum control that you can consciously take Within the context of your condition, in your body, and in this space and time, there is so much going on around you, so much that is contextualizing you, and what you think, and what you know, and uh, the norms of um, society, and the norms of behaviors and, and manners, that much of your life is completely out of your control. And that's, that's okay. You don't need to be the master of the world. You have to be the master of yourself. And understanding that sphere of influence and then acting mindfully within it is going to give you the most that you can possibly expect to control within your condition and within your environment and time. You know, the history of moral philosophy is really fascinating, and we talked about this before, that Western philosophy was especially um, engaged with this notion of, of uh, moral philosophy, of what is ethical and what is uh, moral, because it assumes that there is some kind of base reality, some kind of base system of knowing of uh, what is important that we can all agree on, and that Once we know this, that we can discern what actions have a sufficient enough internal validity and external reliability in order that we can act in a way that we consider right, that we can act morally, something that is ethical is something that has a high amount of internal validity, which means that you, have, you know what in, within this closed system what is right and wrong. And to act ethically means to behave in a way that is most right within this closed, enclosed system. Morality is an application of this to a wider sense of uh, being. Morality is something that's tacked on as um, something that's valuable within this uh, idea of what is internally um, good or right. But usually in practice, the way it works out, uh, especially in uh, the Western tradition, is that the powerful people attach morality to laws and actions and ideas that support the interests Of the powerful people. This is an overarching assumption of our time, for example, is that to work productively and smartly is to be moral. To work hard and work smart, which is something that's never quite defined in our popular culture, is moral. And that pay and reward will be attracted like gravity to the moral person. This is the notion of the meritocracy that those who are wealthy and powerful got there through right action, got there through this um, valid sense of goodness of productivity, of progress in the industrial capitalist sense. But this is an ex post facto type of moral gaslighting where the morality has been attached after the fact and in order to sort of gaslight the populace into seeing that the conditions of this are right and that um, your challenges and your shortcomings, that when you are faced with, with a job loss or with not enough money, that this is somehow a indication of a personal failure or short, shortcoming, that this is something that you have done wrong. That this is something that um, you even deserve by some level. And we can feel bad for you, and we can bail you out, and yet there's something morally wrong about bailing out someone in need um, within this uh, sort of ex post facto moral gaslighting. Because this is an artificial compass. The artificial compass that this suggested, agreed upon notions of success and goodness are um, exactly in line with the ways that wealth and power have been parcelled out, and that attempting to rearrange this is uh, somehow a collective failure. <sighs> Again, this is heady stuff and this is this is, um, Uh, can be preposterous to try to cover in some guy's podcast uh, lecture as he's sitting in the corner of his bedroom. Um, And uh, yet this is what we're trying to do here. So let me give you, um, let me try to attach here something of a lesson keeping in mind a promise that I've made very early on in these lectures, that I will never get moral with you. I will never tell you what is right and wrong because I do not have the type of training or uh, knowledge that I would assume uh, would give me a sense of what is universally right or wrong. I think there are certain things that we can agree upon that are just messed up and that we should avoid really messed up things. Um, I guess you could call them wrong or evil or something. Uh, behaving in sociopathic ways, exploiting people, um, uh, trampling on the humanity of others. Um, this, this type of thing is, uh, to me, um, definitely wrong. But I cannot say uh, what is of universal value to everyone. But speaking to the individual... I want to pull out the example of an Animal Crossing character of mine. I have this Animal Crossing island, um, the, the, you know, um, what's it called? New Horizons on the switch. And it's, I've been taking care of this town for about a year. And I have this gal. She's a, a fox or wolf type. And her name is Sky. And she's a very pretty little wolf, and she lives in my town, and I don't ever let her move. And she's lots of fun. Anyway, the other day she said to me, and maybe one of your characters has said something similar, that every day we get a little bit better at being ourselves. I don't know what genius wrote that for this character. Every day we get a little bit better at being ourselves. Um... I find this an endlessly positive notion, and it's exactly the kind of wisdom and comfort that I want from my favorite little villager. Because there are seven whatever billion people on Earth, and there are numerous methods of thinking and being. And I don't have moral answers. I don't think you should hurt people, of course. But I can tell you that however you are, that most likely given the the history of the world and the averages that go on, that most likely you are totally fine. There's a Buddhist saying that says that you are perfect, and you could use some improvement. That your failures in your personal life, the times that things don't work out, are not shortcomings of your character. They are not justice being doled out by the universe, that they are not um, decisions that have been made by someone with some sort of lesson learning at its heart, that your failures as you have encountered them, that they've just happened that it's part of the condition of the world, it's part of being a person, it's part of being in this environment, that uh, times that you've run out of money, times that you've lost a job, times that your dreams didn't come true, that this is not some sort of judgment on you. That there's no such thing as being lazy. That being restful and relaxing is something that our bodies want us to do And that there has to be something okay about that. And that the notion of being lazy is usually a collection of a whole lot of other things going on in your life. And that there is nothing morally imperfect about not doing work today or now or whatever it was that you decided to not do some sort of work. And that you felt bad or unproductive or uh, unuseful. That most of what you do is absolutely morally neutral. That not being able to concentrate, not doing well on a test, not getting a raise is absolutely morally neutral. There was no fairness of judgment that universally smacked you down at that moment. That there was nothing that you deserve to have go wrong. That you're good enough. That there are so many different ways of being a person. And you can be a person your own way. And you don't have to marry the notions of, of success and of uh, morality that the rest of the world um, holds up as being universal. That, that you can create, if you're mindful, that you can create a sense of purpose. And that striving to meet that purpose... That you can create your own moral universe within that. And you can start to ignore all of these other sort of conditions and setbacks that are part of the universally held spine of right and wrong and of success and of this journey of a life towards some sort of like a goal. And you can ignore that even if other people are seeing you through that lens Because if you feel like you are fulfilling your sense of purpose, whether it be something like curing cancer, or it be something like taking really good care of your animal crossing town, or if it be something like uh, being in a big brothers and big sisters agency, or making people's days better, whatever it is that you come up with that is your sense of purpose, and you are striving towards it, And you are making progress and you are doing all of this mindfully and not at the whim of the pressures of the world around you and at the reaction to the stimuli that you're getting. And instead, you are examining things thoughtfully and mindfully in choosing your own path that this is close as you can get to being something perfect in this world and that you will be driven by the same sense of like wonderment and beauty and power as every single person throughout history that you have ever looked up to and wished you could be like and wished you could have a life like. All of this is within your grasp right now. Even those of us talking into a microphone in the corner of their bedroom have it all here. That enlightenment is really just being where you are with your consent. That you can select this. You can select your sense of what you're doing and who you are. And you don't have to worry about the ways that it might embarrass your mom. And you don't have to worry about the ways other people are going to see you. Because all of that in the end is just this sort of environment and condition that you're in that you can't control. And listen, we've all been there. We've all had the boss that if you do A, they're going to yell at you. And if you do B, they're going to yell at you for doing B and say you should have done A. There are people in our lives who are bound and determined to be disappointed. Because that's how they're wired. That's who they are. You can surprise them for a minute, but they will just stay firm on their anchor that they are disappointed in you. You don't have to measure yourself by them anymore. I'm giving you permission if you need someone's permission. That you're good enough. That you're fine. That you can get better, but the only sort of better that matters, the only sort of more perfect that matters is the way in which you are more yourself. The way in which you more perfectly live the life you have chosen. Mr. Rogers likes you just the way you are. If you come into contact and relationships with people for whom that's not enough, You don't have to bother with them. There's so many other people they can pick. They can be with those other people. Fine. You're fine. Relax. You're fine.